five, four, three, two, one. I use they them pronouns. I graduated from Westridge in 2012 and then after Westridge I went to community college um, and transferred to UC Berkeley and then I graduated from there 2017. Um, since graduating from Berkeley I've had a bunch of different types of jobs. Um, I've kind of like put my foot in a bunch of different places and I've landed myself um, in a path that is uh, like legal field focus. And so I, I um, applied to law school this last fall and I will be going into law school next fall um, at Columbia University. In Nueva York. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Change. Cool. All right. So real quick, um, can you just give like a brief rundown of your experience at Westridge so far? Um, how long you were there? Were you, what kind of, what groups mm, yeah. have Latinx affinity? Um, yeah, yeah. So I entered Westridge um, as a freshman in ninth grade, and um, my Westridge experience was overall it was it was good. I think there were definitely challenges. Um, I will always be grateful for what Westridge gave me, the experiences that I had. Um, I think especially for me, I was a student who <clears throat> was on a close to like full ride, yeah. like situation so I wasn't my parents weren't paying very much um and so it, because of that I was able to afford to do things at Westridge like through Westridge's support financially that I wouldn't have been able to get um, somewhere else um that being said I uh, as a student of color at Westridge um I and also entering in ninth grade I'm not sure I feel like that might be a factor but I felt like it it played a part in um like how I was able to connect with other students and finding kind of like my group, it did take time. And um, I did feel isolated at times or I felt kind of like the odd person out. Um, and actually it was through, it wasn't called Latinx affinity group when I was at Westridge. So it's great to have the gender neutral um, Latinx, but I was part of the group and all of my friends were part of that group too. So I've, I found community with people who I felt like had similar experiences to me before going to Westridge. And so when did you graduate again? 2012. Okay. Did part of that isolation come from like a lack of diversity or was it specifically like a cultural shift? Did you, did you go to a different, what type of school did you go to before Westridge? Mm -hmm. um, so I went to public schools before Westridge, yeah. but I did, I, I grew up in South Pass. Um, so my parents moved to South Pasadena specifically for the school district. Um, they wanted to move back to LA, but my dad was really big on like, I don't I want my kids to go to a strong school, all these things. Education was really important to him. And so that's, we ended up in South Pass. Um, and so I went to public school, but you know, I was going to like a well-funded, you know, yeah. a, a, a fine public school. Um, and but the jump from like academic expectations was huge like even even between South Pass and Westridge like it was a really big jump 
And I was the strong, I went from like being the strongest student to being in a mix of like, oh, everyone, like everyone is like academically focused and also people have resources that I don't have. So like, like he, I was my first time hearing students talk about um, their parents hiring a tutor or having like after school programs that they went to that were academically focused. It wasn't like AYSO soccer. Um, and so that was something that I had to get used to. Um, and I, maybe it's my imposter syndrome um, or like my own insecurity, like being a high schooler, not having access to those resources, I felt um, like I felt on the outside, I guess. And, and then also definitely like I did not look like a lot of the other students at Westridge. And also even with the uniforms, you can tell who comes from a really affluent community and who doesn't. Um, and so that to me was, was obvious and I had to kind of like navigate that. Like that was also kind of like a, a new experience for me. Yeah, you know, I think your experience is really, I just want to validate your experience because I've had a lot of conversations with like Latinos, um, well, specifically Latinos, but also other cultural mm -hmm. groups um, in independent schools. I'm going to just use that overall overarching um, group. It's like sometimes when you go to a different school, you come to Westridge or you go to a poly or you go to a prep and it's just, it, it hits you. That's yeah. true. Um, and there is a big culture within independent schools of getting extra help after school, of getting like a tutor weekly, or I know people who've gone to summer programs and, and done the whole set of classes before the school year <laughs> started. Like, it's like, you're taking <laughs> Yeah. <Why? laughs> um, and then they like, will skip ahead. And there's such a, like an economic disparity and that intersects with your cultural background at times, because mm -hmm. when you look at Los Angeles, when we look at California as a whole, it's like there's a big group of Latinos and also Black people who are of a lower socioeconomic status. Right. So it's like, one, you're different from your environment. You stick out. And two, you, you don't have the same economic resources. So I right. think that's a really, I, I've talked to a lot of people about that. Um, I think it may be helpful in the future to kind of like create some transitional program like as before oh, yeah oops enter. yeah Oops. Um, like I know at Chandler I had a uh, my friend um no family from Rebecca she went to that program and they kind of like transitioned her in but it's something that happens to a lot of students yeah um I feel like a lot of universities have that where they have like a summer program that's kind of like okay like let's get ready for a totally new place and like new academic expectations and all these things right um I feel like that would be hugely beneficial for a transition like into Westridge even like from eighth to ninth grade um yes like I agree that some sort of like transitional program would be helpful um I think also like I I do want to note that even though I had different experiences from other students at Westridge like I I still I had the support of my parents like I I know that I had access to things that other students don't have access to so I think you kind of um, like entering the like the the world of Westridge, like the 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 Westridge bubble, like it can feel it's your experience is still really real of like oh I'm different from these students, like we do not have the same things, and also like if you step out of the Westridge bubble, you're like oh wait I you know I still have a lot, like I still have a lot of privilege, I still have access to a lot of resources, 
that other folks don't. So it's like both and those things can be true, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to note that. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the teachers for me have been absolutely amazing. It's like I can I can go talk to them about my work or I can ask for help after school or honestly, they just like connect me with really cool people. Like I had, um, I think it was Miss Yurchak. We were doing an assembly for mm -hmm. student voices and she called her friend who was a, a professor of sociology actually at Teachers College Columbia. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she came in and she did a whole speech, but there is a really incredible amount of resources and like every alum, alum, I'm just going to say alum that I've spoken mm -hmm. to has really been like great for that experience because it is a lot. It's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like Westridge prepared me really well for, and, and I've heard this from other students too, but like for community college, like I, I felt like I was independent. Like I felt like I had good, like internal motivation and I felt super confident in a way that honestly, I didn't feel at Westridge. Like at Westridge, I felt like I wasn't enough. And I felt, I always felt like a little bit insecure about how I was doing academically, even though I was doing fine. I wasn't doing how other students were doing. And so I felt like I had that um, insecurity, but then stepping into community college, I was like, oh, okay. So Westridge has really helped me with my, my writing, for example, was like really strong and having that confidence, like stepping into a space like community college was hugely helpful because I think you need that confidence and motivation um, to transfer out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, super grateful for that. Can you talk about a little bit more about that transition to community college? I, I know we're like in a very, we're in Pasadena. There's a big culture around college and going to university. And usually that in, involves a private university. So can you talk about what that experience was like going to a community college? Yeah, um, I think my experience at community college was fine. Um, I went to Glendale Community College primarily. So I actually went to a couple. Um, and at Glendale Community College, they have an honors program. Most most um, CCs have some sort of like honors program or something adjacent to that. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the Glendale honors program because it was, um, they had like a community service focus, which I was huge on community service when I was at Westridge. Like, that was my thing even into Berkeley like I was in the public service center it's just been really central to kind of my I guess academic and professional career um and so that helped me like feel connected to the school because I think an ex a common experience with uh, community college students is that it can be really isolating because we're all commuters mm -hmm. and we're all coming from different places um I didn't I think I only had one person. Yeah, my best friend was the only other person from Westridge who went to community college. Because mm -hmm. it's not the norm at Westridge, like, at all. Um, and so having her there was was great. Um, the honors program was great. The, in terms of, like, transitioning into community college, I think the thing that I had to get used to was really, like, working part-time and going to school full-time. Mm -hmm. um, because at Westridge, I, I worked when I was in high school, but it wasn't, it wasn't to the level that I was working once I was in college. Um, and again, that's a pretty common community college student experience where some folks are working full-time and going to school full-time or going, working full-time and going to school part-time. So um, just being able to like manage my schedule, driving back and forth, like having super early classes so I can work in the afternoon, like that stuff, I think that kind of the logistical stuff yeah. was harder for me to get used to. 
Yeah. Yeah. What you don't have to answer this if this is too intrusive. No, Olivia, be quiet. Um, what factored into your decision to go to community college? That's a great question. Um, I think it, it should be talked about more. Um, so I so I did apply to a bunch of schools um, when I was a senior. Yeah, see, I'm like, when did you apply? Uh, a senior. <laughs> um, and I got into like I got into some schools and they gave me some money but it just it wasn't enough um like you know my dad and I had to like sit down and have a really like adult conversation um about finances basically he was like you know yes the school gave you this scholarship and it covers this amount but because the overall tuition at private universities is massive, like it still only covers, let's say half, right? And when it's breaking down like over the four years, how, how much debt are you gonna take on? How much debt do I expect my parents to take on? Um, and just like considering the numbers and then also considering kind of like my, maybe like my personality, my dad was basically like, do you think you could handle community college? Like, do you think you could go and know that you'll stay focused and transfer out? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, and in my 17 year old mind, I, I was able to understand enough um, about like what taking on that level of debt would look like. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm down to save some money, um, go to community college and transfer out. And so it was primarily finances, which I think, like the reason I was like, that's a great question is that um, I think that more people should consider community college as an option um, because like, yes, you are missing out on that kind of like four-year university experience of like going to the dorms and like living living like going to a school for four whole years yeah but I think like in the long run like if you think like 15 20 years down the line um like you could that debt could be following you and I think especially for students of color especially for students who come from a background maybe who that don't have as much exposure to what it means to take on that much debt, um, what it means to have a a student loan and parent plus loan and all these like, you know, all these different words that they might not be familiar with. Community college is a great option. Um, Yeah, so I'm like a huge, I'm like, hell yeah, transfer students. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting though, because I I recently spoke to another alum and they were talking about uh, did they have chalk day when you were at Westridge? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Day, I was like, oof, <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was talking about like she had gone into really two good universities, and there was mm. one that she really loved, and it had an amazing program for her, and another one that she absolutely did not like and kind of mm. hated. Um, and she just talked about having to make that decision between the two schools because the the amount of money. Um, yeah. And she did it like the day before chalk day, which is kind of a little, it's a little cray cray. That's a little yeah. Um, But also it's so difficult too for students who, who are on financial aid when they go to specific colleges, because I know some specific private universities, 
used to require the students to work a certain amount of hours on campus if they received a certain amount of financial aid. Right. And that to me seems like incredibly ostracizing. And oh yeah, totally. Yes, a complete separation of your of your students, right? And um, imagine just, you know, studying. You're at this like prolific university. You have so much work, and then you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go do this amount of hours, or yeah, or, or I can't have access to all these things. Like I need, I need to put in work and support the university in this way, and put all this labor in, or else I don't have access to it. Like that is a rough thing to step into for sure. Yeah, and I think, I think your point about community college is so important because I one, I think there's such a, a amount, huge amount of pressure to like go to like this really good school and blah, 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 and have that name. And I think I, there is a merit in, in these schools. There is right. merit in them being like older institutions and like having amazing faculty and like a, amazing resources. But again, it's like for those students who are on financial aid, it, it's gonna follow you. And I think this is an opinion, mm -hmm. but I think kind of graduate school is not even more important than undergrad. Mm. But I think it's if you're looking to be in like a very academic field, I think graduate school is really important. Yeah, I think there's like a fine balance between like, okay, like having it's hard because you're so, you know, you're 17, you're 18 years old making these decisions. Like you're really young to try to like think that far into the future of like anticipating where you're going to go. Yeah. But I think like that anticipation is helpful, right? Because if I, I, I kind of got, lucky that I graduated without debt and so going to law school like taking on a lot of debt um I at least have the comfort of like well I don't have my under like I don't have undergrad debt like I have that kind of security um and so I think when I was younger to like be able to like anticipate that and say like okay well if I can kind of sacrifice um a bit of my experience in undergrad to know that I can have that graduate school experience that I really want and feel more comfortable taking on a little bit more debt in grad school. That's great. I think that's just really hard to anticipate because, you know, I didn't know I was going to end up in law school until a year and a half ago. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And so my mom's friends, a lot of them, Latinas, went to UC Berkeley. The Latinos love UC Berkeley. I've noticed yes. that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, can you talk about what it was like going to UC Berkeley, that shift? Yeah. Um, my first semester was really hard. I like, I'll be honest, like the transition um, was, was hard the first semester. I think just in the very like classic ways of I didn't know anyone I didn't I was like where's the grocery store how am I gonna feed myself like really basic things like that um and so the first semester like I I was kind of stumbling here and there I think what helped was I had some imposter syndrome about academics um and then I was doing really well academically. And I was like, okay, okay. So it wasn't a mistake that they let me in. It wasn't on accident. Like it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> um, and so I just was really focused on my academics and I really wanted to work um, while I was there at Cal. And that's like slowly how I started to build community and just like talk to people and like kind of like find my people. And um, my second semester, 
I moved into the co-op. So Berkeley, I don't know if you know, but Berkeley has this massive housing cooperative system. Um, so they have like a bunch of houses that this nonprofit purchased and basically it's like student housing um, and you work five hours a week to like supplement rent. So rent is significantly cheaper um, and rent and food is like lumped in together. So your rent covers all the food um, and you work a certain amount of hours so that the rent is cheaper. Yeah. Um, and you're living in a house with a bunch of other students. It's student led. So um, the students are the ones that kind of run the, the working systems, like who's cooking, who's cleaning, like things like that. Anyway, so I entered the co-ops and that is like, that's where I started to fall in love with Berkeley. I was like, okay, I found my people. Um, the first co-op I lived in was really big. It was like 120 students, massive house. Um, and although it was great, like it was a really great first experience. Um, I did, I almost honestly, like now that I'm thinking about it, I almost felt a little bit like my first year at Westridge where I was kind of like, okay, like I don't look like these people. I like, they, I feel like I felt invisible sometimes in that house. Um, and I felt kind of like socially, like a little bit uncomfortable because it was just like predominantly like white affluent students um, in that house. And then I heard whispers of a POC house. Like they're like, oh, like we're trying to make a house into a person of color house. And like, this is the vision. And I was like, okay, like, how can I, like, how can I get in basically? Um, and so then the next, the following year is when I moved into the person of color themed house. And that was chaotic and magical and beautiful. And um, like, I really found community in that house for sure. And like, and it was like hard leaving Berkeley because of that house. That's, that's really sweet. Yeah, it was so great. <laughs> and then I think part of, I just have to notice this because I've seen this with students, part of you really just succeeding incredibly. Well, it sounds like you succeeded like incredibly. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. You know, you got your work on. Um, was that self-advocacy, right? That experience oh, yeah. from community college, right? You were working, you were working, and you were doing school at the same time. So in a way that kind of prepared you even more than I would say a lot of students. Yeah, and there's like a, like, it's kind of known in, especially like in the UCs where there's like a huge transfer student community, it's kind of known at that schools that transfer students like come in and they hit the ground running. They're just like, yeah. I got two years here. Like I need to make the most of it. And yes, there's like a high level of discipline that is developed in community college because you, you need it to transfer. Like you have to be motivated and, and focused and all these things. Right. So um, yeah, like I, Westridge primed me perfectly for community college. I think community college did a wonderful job to prepare me for Berkeley. Um, I think the things like outside of the academics, it's it's that discipline and like you said, the self-advocacy, yeah. all those things like were great. So self-advocacy is a huge deal. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and I wish more students like, or like young folks um, like build, build that up in themselves. Like, you know, it's something that it's a skill that you have to build because yeah. it's, it'll help you in your personal life, academic life, professional career. Like it is, it's huge. I think that also, that has a huge, um, that deals a lot with your parents, I think, 
Mm. My parents are like, my dad, you know, first generation, didn't, you know, like have everything. He like worked really hard in high school and he went to a UC um, mm. and he kind of, he leveled up. He was like doing the work and he's like, okay, so I want you to have a better life than me. I'm gonna give you what you need, but you're gonna have to go out there and talk to your teachers and you're gonna have to go out there to talk to people about your schedule and you're gonna go have to, put, you know, advocate for mm. you. And then at times that's like, for me at, at my school, it's been frustrating because I, I feel like I have to advocate for myself even more than mm. some students. And like that mm. feel a little bit isolating, but at the same time, I, my mentors have like told me they're like, but you're preparing yourself really well, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's a little, you know, it gets exhausting because I'm like, I feel so old, but I'm only like, <laughs> why am I doing so much work? And they're like, I got it. <laughs> um, yeah. Bittersweet. I feel like that's the word. It's like, it's bittersweet. Like, you know, it's a little bit bitter that you gotta, you feel like you have to do it more than other students and you, you probably do. And then sweet at the same time that you're, you know, you're developing a great skill that's gonna, that's gonna take you far. Yes, it's like from in the heights. This is my favorite phrase right now. Palante, you know, forward. Just keep going. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so UC Berkeley, you found your community in a housing group for people of color. Yeah. And amazing. And you loved it. It was great. It was um, good. Yes. And what were what was your major? What were you exploring academically? Um oh, also, yeah. Did you join any specific like Latinx groups? Like I know they have Mecha and yeah, and also um, oh shoot, there's one that's like super popular at Berkeley Trenzas, I think. Um, my aunt, so my aunt went to Cal, and she was like really big in that group. Um, I didn't, I don't think I ever joined any like Latinx specific group. Um, because I felt like I found that at the POC house. Like I found, like if I wanted to feel at home, if I wanted like home cooked meals that I was really missing, like I, I got that at POC house and more and like other cultures and stuff. So um, like, that's really where I found my community um, and academic stuff. I was a poli-sci major, political science. Um, I have like mixed feelings about doing that major. Like it was fine. Um, I think I took some interesting classes, but um, at Berkeley, the the department is pretty conservative. Um, and so they, they just weren't offering the classes that I maybe thought, um, you know, cause Berkeley has a reputation of being super liberal and really left, um, but there are the, conser the very conservative parts of Berkeley. And so my department, I just didn't know that going in. Um, and so I, what I ended up doing within my major was focusing really on political theory because <clears throat> I love like nerding out on philosophers and, um, like thinkers and things like that. And then I was taking some classes outside of my major, kind of just like make my own thing. And I think really my focus was like, I was like, academics are cool. Like I enjoy school. Um, but I was like, I was huge in the co-op community. Like I was a manager there. I was like a, like a, a person who was really involved in like house activities and culture. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, I was part of the public service center. And so my job um, 
like I was, I was really, I spent a lot of time in my work, um, which was like education focused. Got it. Two questions. Um, who's your favorite philosopher? That's the first oh one. <laughs> and then the second one is what is appealing about public service to you? So let's start with the first one. Um, okay, the first person that came to mind, which he's like so depressing, um, Nietzsche. I like really like Nietzsche because I think he's just like, and nothing is like everyone just like collects knowledge just so that they're disillusioned and like disenchanted and knowledge just makes you sad, which I think is just kind of funny. <laughs> He's a nihilist? Oh, uh, like nihilist? Yeah. Nihilist, yeah. sorry. I heard someone say nihilist. My like ethics. Oh, maybe I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Nietzsche, I have like a bunch of his writing and like my, my really close friend at Berkeley, like when we're out, like we would be out, it's nighttime, it's the weekend and we're talking about Nietzsche. Like, this, <laughs> like I have like really like funny memories. Um, your, to your second question about public service. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know like the origin of like where my interest in public service came from. Um, I think like a lot of people, I'm just like, I, I wanna help others. Um, that's kind of like how it started. It was like, I just really wanna help other people. And I'm generally like a people person. And so I think a lot of public service stuff, you're interacting with others. Um, and so I volunteered a ton at Westridge. I don't really still have that like little award that they give you if you do over 200 hours or something. I have probably, they're really huge on public service. Like we still have our cat project. Like that's a huge- Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so I, I was, really into it and then um at Berkeley I knew I so sorry let me backtrack so when I was in community college my part-time job was I was a nanny so I was like really big in childcare, um which started in high school but it I got more focused I think when I was in community college and so when I went to Berkeley I didn't have access to a car so I wasn't able to like it would have been really hard to be a nanny or yeah. a babysitter but I was like I love kids. And so I was like, okay, like I'm going to do something education focused. Let me like fold in a couple of interests. So I like childcare. I like education. I also love public service. So um, at the public service center, I was doing like really like education focused work um, and it was literacy focused. So I was like helping students like learn how to read. Um, and then through that, I entered the teach in prison program so I was a tutor for students at San Quentin State Prison. Wow. Um, and so like that, and then that's what led me to like a legal focus that, that's like down the line. But um, like, I think there's something about like, like yes, helping others. But I think a lot of the times the way that I framed it was I, I wanna be the person that I wish that I had. Like, yeah. so like when I was a kid, like I wish I had an older student like, come every day and like help me read um and then for the San Quentin stuff like it was more like focus on I guess like I've had a firm belief in that everyone should have access to support everyone should have access um to education and to like educational support um and so I think just like public service I I think like it's like on a selfish level, I guess, it's like, it does something for me. Yeah. And then also like, 
I'm, I feel like I'm contributing and like, I feel like I'm, I'm playing a role in the change that I want to see in the world, like in, in that way. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> I think there's something about, I remember watching um, a thing with Rain Wilson from The Office, who's Dwight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was he had a, a discussion about how there were students they took a happiness test um and then <clears> they <throat> said go do the things that make you happy go go to a party or go buy food or go do this other thing and then they came back and their happiness levels were lower and then when they oh, did community service they were higher yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know, because it makes you feel like you're connected to community, you're connected to others, like you feel like you're contributing, like you feel good about yourself, you feel good about like other people feeling good, that they're getting support. So yeah, I can see that for sure. It's like, it's really great. I think um, Westridge is part of this Partnership for Success program that's like um, headed up by Doctora de Toro, who's my favorite person ever. Oh, ever. that's me. <laughs> Um, and so like we we were partnered with a student in the like PUSD system and we meet with them, mm -hmm. tutor them or sometimes we just talk. Sometimes I talk to my mentee Aurora and she's all like, there's this cute boy in my class. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> it's really funny. I'm like, it's okay. Let's take a break. <laughs> um, but it's really, really great. So you graduate from UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And you said you were kind of sad about leaving. Yeah, I was super sad. I wanted to stay in the Bay Area. Like, I really loved, especially like East Bay, like Berkeley and Oakland, like I loved it there. Um, and and I, at that point I had built a huge community, like a support system. And um, something I didn't mention, or maybe I alluded to it with community college is that like, because it's like a commuter, everyone's a commuter, you're, you're fairly isolated. Um, and so it's harder to build community in a support system. So I felt like my support system in LA was like my family and then my best friend um, from Westridge. And then I went to Berkeley and my support system was like really big and there's like a ton of people. And so then coming down to LA, I was like, I'm alone. Like I have to start from scratch. Like I have to build up my support system all over again. That's what it felt like at the time. So it was really, yeah, I was sad to leave. Did you come back to LA because of a specific job opportunity, because your family was there, because you were like, I miss LA or? Yeah, it was primarily like what, I have a brother who is 11 years younger than me. And so he was a big factor. I was like, okay, I, he's still a kid. And like, I want to be able to experience him like in his childhood. And also I had applied to be a, a justice corps fellow in LA and so I, I ended up getting the fellowship and so I was going to start my fellowship in August here here in LA Got so it. those are the two big reasons like job and also my little brother that's really cute how old is he now <laughs> he's 16 now he's like big <laughs> hey, oh my God. okay and so you're you got the justice corps fellowship mm -hmm. how long did that last it was, it was a year. I, it was for, it's a year long fellowship. Um, and I was at the Stanley Moss courthouse, which is the largest courthouse in the United States. Um, and I was working the self-help center. So the self-help center helps folks who can't afford attorneys, um, folks who are going through the court system self-represented. And it was primarily family law. So divorces, paternity cases and restraining orders. Yeah. Yeah, so we're just basically like 
it's like legal legal education so we're explaining to folks like the process like what are the next steps what do they need to do to get the things that they want and then also host form assistance okay and mm -hmm. at this time what were your career choices or career interests at the time um i really wanted to do a phd like that was I was like, I want to be in school forever. Like I want to be in academia. Um, that was my like dream. Um, and then <clears throat> I think through some of it was justice core. And then, but a lot of it was, were the things that I was doing outside of my yeah. like day job. Um, I realized that I wanted to do something that was more direct services. Um, something that was like, I felt like I was more directly making an impact. Um, but yeah, I think there's an, there's an impact to be had like in academia, but it just didn't feel as direct as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I, I kind of started to pivot um, away from like my dream of PhD. Okay. So it was more justice, um, just direct, direct work, justice. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was like really involved in like um, like grassroots like organizing in LA, mm -hmm. and and then also like at the same time I was training to be a birth worker, um, and so like those two those two things were huge influences of like okay, I want to be like on the ground like I want to be on the ground with people helping people, um, I don't want to be sitting in my ivory tower. No, no, like no shade to folks who are in academia, like they're doing important work. But for me, like that's not what I want. And birth work is like, can you define what that is? Oh yes, birth work is. Um, birth work is like an umbrella term for folks who, like, support in birth and labor. Um, so I was trained to be a doula, although there's like a bunch of other things you could do within birth work. But I was training to be a doula, um, and I did birth work for a year oh. so I was supporting folks who were pregnant and like supporting them through labor and a little bit I was doing a little bit of postpartum stuff but it was really labor focused and what specific grassroots movement were you interested in or passionate about well um it's kind of like changed and evolved over time so I think my first like um enter entrance into like organizing in LA was anti-gentrification stuff that was um happening in Boyle Heights um serve the people was an organization that my sibling was a part of and so they kind of like pulled me in um and so it they're kind of like their politics are anti-gentrification focused for sure um but the things that we're doing we're kind of like providing food for the community closer to the community, things like that. And then through that organization and just like meeting people, talking to people, and then it became really focused on transformative justice. So my exposure to, exposure to transformative justice came from um, Teach in Prison. And then I was like reading about it, like kind of dabbling here and there. And then it wasn't until I was here that I was like, I was consuming as much information as I could about transformative justice, transformative justice, because I was like hooked instantly. I was like, oh, this is my jam. Like, this is, this is what I believe in. And so then my organizing work in LA was really TJ focused. Um, 
and transformative justice to me is like creating a cultural shift so yeah. that um so that we can live in a violence-free world so that so that folks don't have to experience violence and if they do that there's a system in place to support them that isn't the state so it isn't necessarily going to law enforcement it isn't going to the criminal justice system um it isn't honestly sometimes it's not even going to like a social worker it's your community it's your people it's your support system like that is the like grand vision of tj um so is it so it's is it strengthening the community through like education or yeah so it's like a bunch of like it's kind of like prison abolition like you prison abolition you can do it a bunch of different ways and you can chip away at the prison system in a bunch of different ways transformative justice is similar in that like it could be education focused but it could also be building up like a mutual aid project um, or a direct service that someone who has experienced violence who doesn't want to go through the state and yeah. doesn't want to go to the state can come to someone and say like hey this happened to me and like I don't know how to address it or how can you help me get safer without me having to go to law enforcement to be safe um so that's more kind of like in the immediate but I think the like longer vision is that exactly what you said that our communities are strengthened to a point where um like one violence isn't happening there's a bunch of preventative work yeah and then also if it does happen you have a community that is equipped to handle it and to help you get to safety and for the person who caused harm help them do repair if they're interested or um, help them understand like why they did this thing and how they can hold themselves accountable. That reminds me a lot of something I learned in ethics since you're into philosophy. There's this yeah. called Ubuntu and mm-hmm. it was like right after apartheid that they kind of did a transformative justice model specifically. Yeah. Yeah, engaging with the people who had committed the crimes and having them apologize and like own up to their mistakes, but also being allowed to move on, which is, mm-hmm. but that's just a something I Yeah, know. yeah, it's like, it's hella like, excuse me, it's very like international. Um, like I think also there's like a, a little bit of like overlap between restorative justice and transformative justice. So that's like a really great example. Yeah. Um, but like TJ has been, it wasn't called transformative justice, but it's been being practiced by like folks for years, like First Nations folks, like indigenous folks, like have been doing this stuff for a lot longer, long before transformative justice was even like coined. And so, yeah, it's it's very like international, it's very historic. Also, I just have to note, you said hella, that's so Bay Area. No, <laughs> no, they got me, they got me. I like, it's, ugh. Well, I went into Berkeley and I was like, oh, like who, who says hella? Like, that's so, that's so weird. Like, that's such a weird word. And then I lived there and yeah, now I can't, I can't, I haven't gotten rid of it. <laughs> well, I, I went to a, like a math camp for Latinos. It was very like stand and deliver. So it was this professor from, he was like Salvadorian from UC Berkeley and he was very tough. He was very tough. Like I cried once. He was like, I can't I was like crying and he goes out he does a speech he's like in here you can cry out there you can't okay <laughs> we have tissues and you are supported but out there because he was very much like preparing um students for the rigor of yeah college. um but everyone there was from the bay area they were all from uc berkeley and I'm like, 
<laughs> so funny. I know. So I know whenever I in, in, when I'm in LA, whenever I hear someone say hella, I'm like, where'd you get that from? Like you're from the Bay or you live there or something. Like it didn't come out of nowhere. No one, no one in LA is just like picking up, like, like wants to say that word, like on their own accord. <laughs> and I'd make so much fun of them too. Sometimes I'll, it. I'll be like, that's hella cool. That's so funny. <laughs> they're crazy. They're, but they're very smart. Um, okay. So then we're almost, we're almost to the graduate school part, which I'm excited yeah. Cause it's in New York. I know, Ugh, New York. <laughs> um, so what got you interested in, in graduate school? I think you're going to law school. What type yeah, of I law? And yeah. what specifically as a lawyer, do you want to be a lawyer or et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all great questions. Um, law school. So I had a lot of resistance to law school. Um, my dad is an attorney. Um, and so I had like a very narrow view of what it meant to be an attorney. And I was like, that sounds really boring. Um, I don't understand what you're doing. And I also felt like the legal system, like if you're, you know, if you, if you become an attorney, you're, you're stuck in a system that is re very restricted. Um, and so I had pushed back. I was like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's where I want to put myself um, and like try to make change in the world. Yeah. And then the current position I have, I work at the LA LGBT Center in their legal department. And that's where I started to get exposure of like what it could look like to be an attorney in, um, in service work and, um, and like being an advocate for folks who, who need the support um, and might not have access to it in other ways. <clears throat> and so then I was like, okay, like maybe I'll do law school. And it has that like direct service element or it can have that direct service element that I was referring to earlier. Um, and I was very fortunate enough to get a fee waiver. So it's expensive to apply to law school. <laughs> and so with the fee waiver, I didn't have to pay for the LSAT. I didn't have to pay for any of my applications. Like, um, and for the LSAT, I, the LSAT is the test that you have to take yeah. to get into law school and um all right it's called the bar that's for that's to become an attorney but mm -hmm. the LSAT is a test it's kind of like the SAT but for law school mm -hmm. um that's like yeah I know <laughs> um and um I did really well like I was I self-studied and I I did really well somehow um and so so it put me in a position where I could apply to schools that I was really interested in, um, that had great programs. I was looking for a school that would be down for someone who's a prison abolitionist, basically. Mm -hmm. Like law school and the legal field is very conservative and prison abolition is just not like, it's still taboo. Like I know because of the uprisings, like people are talking about it more for sure. But it's still taboo. It's still seen as like unattainable. It's seen as like you're crazy, you're wild. Um, and so for me, it was important to go to a school that I could find other people who who were down basically, um, and who were interested in taking down these like massive systems that have been in place, you know, for some time, um, that are causing all this harm, causing all these damage, and and so. Um, I applied and I was picking between Berkeley and Columbia. Mm -hmm. Columbia gave me um, a tuition grant that was substantial. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to New York. Um, so I picked Columbia 
And for a lot of reasons, like, yeah, money was part of it. But then also I like, I like the idea of like living in New York. I was like, I've never, you know, I pushed myself out of my comfort zone going to Berkeley. It'd be great to push myself even more out of my comfort zone going to New York. Um, and New York is doing like really cool stuff um, with like prison abolition and harm reduction and all these great things. Um, and so for me going to law school is I'm making a choice to put myself in a role, in a supportive role. Um, so that's how I see it, that I'm going to be in a supportive role to the movements that, that I'm trying to support. And so movements happen from people, like it is the people, they're the organizers. Those are the people that like, those are the folks that are creating change. Um, it's like people power and the attorneys aren't, the attorneys are, you know, moving the needle a little bit, but they're, they're a support role. And so the people, like, in my belief is like, the people are the folks who, who are most intimately familiar with the issues and they have like the most valuable voices in the movement. Um, and they don't like, they create change outside of the legal system. And the attorneys are just there to help them navigate a system that one is super confusing um, on purpose. And then two, you need to have a special license to do anything, right? And so like, I that was something that I had to reckon with of like, do I wanna be the person on the ground? Do I wanna be an organizer? Um, or do I wanna be in a support role? And I was like, I'm, I looking at my past experiences, I'm looking at my personality and I have been an advocate for a long time. I've been in this support role for a long time. And I think I would be a good asset as a support person. Yeah. So that's how I see like myself being an attorney. Um, it's called, there's like a term for what I'm describing. It's called community lawyering. Um, basically like you're a lawyer for the community. Like you're there, you're like, I use me like use my resources, use my, the power that I have as a licensed attorney, um, ask me questions, but I'm not in the forefront of the movement. It's yeah. the, it's the folks in the community. They, they need to be the ones that are in the forefront. They, they know what's best for themselves and their community. I think, you know, and I'm not super, I'm not super familiar with um, prison abolition, but they understand the impacts of recidivism right yeah. because like within this like legal system it's people recidivism by the way the people who don't know is um going like in and out of prison right mm-hmm. really returning it's it's really it's like the the prison rates in this country are just insane absolutely like specifically yeah. if you look at the the disparity between like the amount of brown um mm-hmm. and black people in prison in comparison i can't make believe my ringer just went off um, in comparison to like the, the other diversity, like statistics, it's yeah. absolutely insane. And I feel like what you said about transformative justice is really important because I've also heard experiences of people kind of wanting to go to prison because of the support it provides in terms of you have somewhere to sleep, mm-hmm. you have food, you have shelter. Yeah. Like it's still difficult being in a, a prison, but you're, there's somewhat of a support system that right. some have never had ever no parents yeah. no nothing um, and like that's wild to think about that like that there's such like little access to resources that someone that their best option is to go into the prison system which the prison system like 
their 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 support is minimal it is like as long as you're alive until the next day like that it's like that minimal right and like I'm someone who's like a huge believer in like economic justice food justice like access to education like these like basic needs like do people have something to eat do people have somewhere to lay their head do they have access to clean water um like that's that's the stuff that prevents folks from returning or going into the system in the first place and also prevents a lot of harm like my my focus on transformative justice like really comes from my passion supporting survivors of violence like and as a survivor myself like I'm like that's really where like my passion comes from and like there's value in in like in focusing on just basic needs I think people like want to think of all these other things but I'm like meet people's basic needs and like that'll make a huge difference yeah because I think it's also if you've experienced violence and I can't say that from a personal perspective um but it's like kind of cyclical in the sense that yeah when people experience violence they become violent because it's yeah. just so much to bear that they want to exert that energy on someone else but I think it's like if they're given the support they're given the comfort and they're given really the love that they need it's like yeah. I'm good I don't need to do, like take this this like negative energy out of me um, yeah yeah exactly that's really cool all right okay so this has been a really long conversation I've really enjoyed it and I've enjoyed it <laughs> I'm glad um, I really want I wanted to do it before the weekend because it's Latinx Heritage Month and my my mom was like you better interview someone and I was like you're right oh okay I was like what's happening <laughs> um, but I'm actually meeting with Latinx today um mm-hmm. do you have any advice or any words of wisdom to share no pressure to, wait, you're meeting with who Latinx affinity today. Oh, Latinx affinity. Oh, okay. Ooh, um, ooh, what to share? You know, I was part of a panel. What what month are we in? October. I think it was last year. Um, and I met with some of the folks in Latinx affinity, and I talked about like my experience in like college and stuff. Um, and I think the big thing that I was focusing on was like self advocacy was one of them which you like really hit the nail on the head with that. And also like being, like being flexible and being curious about yourself. Um, I think, I think I was like giving that advice because from my own personal experience, like I, 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 I often had a very narrow view of like, what am I interested in? Like, how can I help people? I had a really narrow idea of like what it meant to help people and like what that looked like. Um, and so I had like struggle points in my academic career because of that, because I wasn't curious about like, what are my strengths? Like, what am I really interested in outside of societal expectations, outside of like maybe what my parents and, um, and so I think just like being really curious mm-hmm. is, can take you a long way. I think being flexible um, and imaginative of like, imaginative in, in, in thinking about like where you wanna end up um, and what you're interested in can be hugely helpful. Um, I think those like, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. Like self-advocacy and just like embracing curiosity. Yeah, and don't confine yourself. 
You know? Yeah. Don't like just take what's given to you and say like when people because people do that they'll relegate this is this looks like this is what you seem like you deserve. Yes. Um, yeah. I've sometimes within the Latino community, Latinx community, it's like sometimes we're like, okay, that's good because we underestimate ourselves. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So it's really important to just be like, no, I'm not going to be ashamed of going for it, of pushing myself further of advocating, um, of bothering my teachers all the time, which I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm always like, shoot your shot. Like, but you know, for for a lot of things, the worst thing that's going to happen is you get a no or or you don't get a response or whatever. Like someone doesn't reciprocate, but like shoot your shot. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, move on. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank Um, you, Olivia.